to this football club. Hello and welcome to episode 161 of Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. My name's Sam Davis and look, we've enjoyed this having this little break. It's been it's been wonderful, but if you check out the YouTube channel, we've been posting every few days and there's loads of content for you to look at, including the following audio drop from an AFC Bournemouth hero. Go to youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast to see the following. But we present to you on this audio pod an extended chat with former Cherries midfielder Andrew Sermon, who joined us for a revealing look back at his time at the Cherries, including some candid reflections on life as a Bournemouth footballer and the players that performed alongside him. We challenged Sirs about some of his moments in football, including moving from South Africa to Southampton, the importance of a decent academy and training complex, the quandaries over which country to play for, the Cherries player that would always pick up the bar tab, and of course, reliving the infamous moment where he decked Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Oh, superb stuff. Let's now listen in. This is Andrew Sermon. In his own words. Hello and welcome to the return of the interview series here on Back of the Net. My name's Sam. If you're brand new to the channel, make sure you subscribe ahead of our sixth season in the Premier League. It's going to be a roller coaster ride. We started this series during lockdown where there was no football. And whilst we've got a footballless window for the next couple of months ahead, we thought they want a better time to get this series back up and running again. We've had some superb names on these videos, one of which is our our very own Jeremy Paxman himself, Jeff Hayward. Jeff, you all right? Yeah. Is that a compliment? I don't know. I'm not Maybe. sure it is. How are you? How, how are you coping without football? It's it's tough. I mean, even watching England is being like without football, isn't it? You know the way they're playing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. So yeah. on this video, we're delighted to have a player who had 144 appearances in the top flights for his various clubs, the majority of which were with AFC Bournemouth. So perhaps he could uh, shed some light on what the next season might be like for the Cherries. Whilst he has played for Southampton, he effectively feels like one of our own. He pulled on the shirt over 200 times for AFCB. He's won the championship with us. He's been involved with England. He's won many a promotion. He's calm on the ball. He passes like a dream, pops up with a goal or two. And let's face it, with this face, he's one of the most dreamiest footballers to look at as well. It's none other than Andrew Sermon. How are you, sirs? You all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Yeah, no, really, really good. Thanks for having me. So look, we're gonna we're gonna wind it back, and uh, we'll we'll talk about this. Sounds a bit like an episode of This Is Your Life. This, but you were you were born in South Africa in 1986, and um, you came over here in '95. But your parents were from here in the first place. Is that right? Yeah, so they were from Southampton. Yeah, and they moved over there for work. Um, I think Jersey along the way to that. But yeah, so uh, I was born there, and so was my brother, and we lived there. I think I moved down here when I was eight years old. So what's the um? What's the first World Cup you remember then? Is it is it USA '94 or is it France um, in '98 or what? It was probably France '98 actually because I, I yeah. don't I don't think I really followed. I, I think living in South Africa because they never qualified for anything. 
mm. you never really follow. And although football's a big, big sport over there, you never they never qualified for it. So I think probably France '98 is the, the earliest one I can remember. Is that when Beckham got sent off? I can't. Was he got? Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, I remember that one. That's probably the earliest one. And it's pretty clear that you you were talented from a young age, and you got you got spotted quite uh, quite early on, didn't you, in your career? What, when did you first realise that you were you were more talented than all the other players that you played with? Um, I don't know really. I mean, when I played in South Africa, I played up. I played up um, a couple of years, even when I was sort of six or seven. And my dad was the, the team manager at the time, so. Um, but yeah, so I, I sort of I didn't really have an inkling that I might be a professional footballer, but I felt like I was a decent player. And then when I came over here, um, I was playing for my local team, Hedge and Rangers, and and um, a guy called, oh, I can't even remember his name now, that's awful. But a, a scout um, from Southampton picked me up on a Sunday and, and said, look, do you want to come and join the Centre of Excellence at Southampton? And and I, again, I still didn't really know what it was all about. I just sort of assumed, you know, this is good. I'm going to play for the team that I support and, you know, the academy or whatever before it was an academy. And, and that was it, really. I didn't really sort of think too much about it. Mm. So, what was your, who was your footballing hero at that age? Who inspired you? Oh, that was that was definitely Matt Letizia. I was about um, to say. Yeah, he was like an absolute... It's funny, actually, because I've just bought um, my two boys the Unbelievable DVD, uh, which was obviously out out back then. Um, I used to watch that all the time. And, and I've actually, say I got to know him, I, I know him a little bit better than I did, obviously, when I was... Obviously, he was my hero now. And it, it's still a little bit surreal, me, like, having a chat with him. I, yeah. I couldn't really say that, because he's probably watching going, are you really? But... <laughs> <laughs> But I, I, he's still, I'm still in awe of him actually, because obviously, obviously how much of a, a hero he was at Southampton, and I know probably a lot of Bournemouth fans listening to this are probably sick of hearing it. But, um, but yeah, and it was, um, he was my hero, I think. Um, were you always a midfielder? Uh, I was a striker, um, and then, and then when I joined, well, as I got through the academy, um, I was actually a, a, they played me on 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 the left, but I think that was mainly because where I was left-footed. Oh. It was almost like there wasn't many left-footed players about, so it just made sense for the balance of the team. Which I probably look back now, uh, when I now I've obviously retired, and obviously when I started playing centre midfield at Bournemouth, was I sort of I regret that I didn't play more in centre midfield when I was that age because I just feel that I probably missed out on a lot of development um, at an early age of how to play that position. Uh, and, and even later in my career, I'd go in there and play, and I'd do alright, and then I'd be stuck back on the left or, or whatever. So. It was a little bit harder, I think, probably to make my way just because playing on the wing, you don't you just don't get as much of the ball. Um, so, you know, I was quite pleased. And obviously, you know, when I, when I joined Bournemouth, which I'm sure you go on to, but, um, you know, Eddie Howe was the one that, that saw that and, and, you know, obviously basically moulded me into that position. Mm. So when you were at Saints, I mean, of course, of course, at the moment, uh, the Cherries are redeveloping their training ground at Camford Magna. It looks like it's going to start again, which is great. And... That's obviously a like really pivotal place for the development of youth and academy players. What what were the facilities like at Saints when you were there, and how much do you think you sort of grew as you know as a player whilst you were there? Yeah, they were fantastic. I mean, it was actually almost pioneering at the time because um, mm. Clive Woodward actually joined. Harry Redknapp was manager. I was uh, eighteen when he uh, so I went out on loan, but he brought in they brought in Clive Woodward, and he was sort of a little yeah. bit ahead of his time. He brought in yeah the rugby background all the England rugby stuff, um, you know, he built the dome. Uh, he was all about, he actually wanted the players to sleep at the training ground if they'd had a double day and, and things like that. So he was sort of quite ahead of his, his time. So I think he sort of always pioneered that side of things. So I was quite lucky to be part of an academy who who was almost being run by a, by a person that was looking to the future. Um, 
so I, I was I was really lucky to be part of an academy like Southampton because they were one of the top academies at the time. Uh, you know, along with I think places like West Ham and yeah. and United and places like that. So yes, the facilities are amazing, and I think it's great to see that obviously Bournemouth are, are developing theirs now because I think you know as as, as good as the facilities are at, at Bournemouth, and when I was there, obviously. The, um, the, the pitches out the back. I just think it's a club now where it's been in the Premier League for long enough to sort of warrant having a ground or a training ground that is really sort of top of the range and, and high tech and, and is only going to be a benefit the players. For the first part of your Saints career, you had a couple of loan spells, one of which was, was at the Cherries um, and, and both which I think it'd be fair to say helped get you into the Saints first team. But how did that first move to, to Bournemouth come about? Uh, yeah, so Harry Redknapp was manager at the time, um, and I think I played in a, I think it was a reserve game, because obviously back then it was, actually was it reserves then? I can't remember. I think they changed it to 17-19s, but I played in a game, um, and he was watching, uh, and I, I played pretty well, and then he pulled me into his uh, office on, uh, I think it was like the Monday morning or something, he said, look, you know, do you want to go on loan to Walsall at the time? So... Paul Merson was manager at the time, so he, he sent me to, to, to Walsall. Uh, that's where I played my first sort of league game um, and did all right. Had a, had a good, good. And obviously, that was a great experience. Obviously, playing playing with and for someone like Paul Merson because Paul Merson was the player manager at the time, and he was just like an incredible character, but also obviously you know a player as well. So I learned quite a lot from him. And then yeah, I came back, and I think he wanted to take me again, but again, Harry Redknapp pulled me in and said, "Look, you know, where do you want to go? You could go to Bournemouth if you want." Because I think he had the links, obviously, with the club. So I ended up going there with with Sean O'Driscoll, and and you're right. I think that was probably the low move that made me, you know, in, into a player that then, okay, I, actually, I can I can step up into the Championship now at least. You know, I, I feel like I, I had the belief. I came back with that belief. I was there for six months, um, and really enjoyed it. And Sean O'Driscoll, I mean, he was he was a great manager for me. You know, again, play, wanted to play the right way. He was very very um specific on details and things like that and and that's massive when you're a, when you're a young player trying to learn and i'm sure you know if you probably if you speak to eddie how without speak obviously without speaking for him i'm sure he probably learned quite a lot from him because obviously eddie was a, a, there at the time so um so there it was really good and it was funny actually well so it, was, it wasn't funny for the club because obviously I, I was ready got to the end of my six months and they were just about to extend it and george burley had taken over at southampton uh, and he said, uh, he phoned and said, look, you're coming back. So I went into training for the last day at Bournemouth and I said to Sean O'Driscoll, you know, um, obviously, you know, thanks for everything. He, he said, what are you talking about? I said, oh, I'm going back to Southampton. He went, you what? You're not going back to Southampton. I, don't, I haven't heard about that. So he like sprinted off and was like trying to stop the sort of thing. But obviously where they were in my parent club, George Burley had sort of called me back because he wanted to get everyone under his you know, the same umbrella and sort of say, right, you know, I want to see what I've got here. So, you know, that that was sort of a uh, a bit of an abrupt end to it. But obviously then from going from there, suddenly I was back at Southampton and within a week, I think I'd gone back, I'd, I'd sort of got my debut for Southampton. So. Mm. What was it like playing with Eddie Howe? Well, he, he was injured a little bit at the time when I was there. Um, obviously struggled with his knee injuries, but yeah, I mean, he, he, he's not, I don't want to say he's not, he wasn't any different back then. He was very calm, very um, sort of mild-mannered, um, but was a winner, um, you know. And But I was obviously very young at the time and, and sort of was just, uh, you know, as much as you're about the team, I was sort of worried about myself at the time, thinking, <laughs> right, you know, I need to sort of progress my career here. And But we had we had Eddie, we had Jason Tindall, Perchy, players like that, obviously Big Fletch as well, who, 
that it was just a great dressing room. Um, and you needed players like obviously Eddie, who who sort of looked after the young players and 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 obviously ran the dressing room and made sure that they were setting the right example for everyone else. So um, so I was lucky again to go to a club that had a good bunch of players. Did it did it affect you when you came back later in your career that the entire coaching team used to be your teammates and did did it did they like go easy on you as a result? Because I I hear that Eddie had quite a sharp tongue on him if he thought you weren't up to scratch. Yeah, I mean, um, it, it was it did it was good actually at first because when I started speaking to, to Eddie again, I was at Norwich at the time, and and he phoned and and obviously said, you know, so I already had that sort of relationship with him, which always makes things easier, and obviously with Jace as well. So it felt a little bit like it was more of a personal relationship. But obviously, when I when I first joined, um, well, when a second time I joined Bournemouth, it you quickly realised that. It's not. It's not the same relationship, you know. I'm not playing with him anymore. He's he's basically managing me. So it was. It was never going to be sort of the same relationship. And and yeah, I mean, even though I was alone, it he still wouldn't let me get away because sometimes alone players, lone players, can, someone can go on loan somewhere and they get treated slightly differently because obviously they're not really the club's player and you know they're potentially under pressure to play loan players a little bit more, but. I was just really grateful the fact that the first thing he said to me was like, you're a centre midfielder and that's what I'm going to mould you into. He's not, he sort of, it wasn't signing me saying, oh, we'll see where we can fit you in. It was like, right, this is what, you know. Um, and it, it just did really sort of, um, you know, it felt, it just felt natural when he phoned me and sort of said, you want to come down? And plus I was from down here anyway. So it worked out really well. So. Yeah, it was um, fair to say that the loan was a success. And when you went back, you were, straight into the first team at Saints. I think that was in January 2006. Uh, what what was it like breaking through into the first team of your boyhood club? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, I phoned my dad straight away and my mum and dad came to watch and obviously my, my, my wife now, but my girlfriend at the time and said, you know, I've, I've been called into the squad and he only pulled me just for the game, George Burley at the time and said, you know, you're, you're going to be starting. And I was stood in the tunnel. I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, you know, I'm going to be running out of St. Mary's. And it was just a really proud moment, not obviously just for me, but obviously for my whole family because they were Saints fans and they obviously got me through that sort of, you know, from 10 to, what was it, 19 at the time when I made my debut. And it was almost like all the work that they put in, it, it sort of I could reward them by obviously running out of St Mary's. And it was just it was just an incredible time. And I think it was also lucky probably that they were in, uh, the championship because I think obviously when teams are in the Premier League it's a lot harder as a young player to break in but being in the championship um, it, it really did give me that that chance and that springboard and and I think the first season that we that I think was it was the first season that we played I think we got into the playoff semi-final which um, was you know was incredible as well to be part of that um, and some of the players I was playing with that have obviously gone on to do incredible things as well it's just um, yeah I mean it was a it was a great just just a great feeling and I think it would be fair to say you're more of a playmaker and a sister than a goal scorer. So um, a hat trick against Barnsley in 2007. What happened? <laughs> yeah. It was just one of those days. You know, we just have one of those days. You think everything I hit is going in here. Um, I think I even scored my right foot, which was was even uh, more surprising. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was one of those days where I don't know. Just and I got the penalty, and um, it's funny because we had a we had a lad called Gregus Raziak, um, who played for a few teams and. He come off the bench, and I was—I'd always scored two. We were four-two up, and we got a penalty in the like the 89th minute or something. So the game was won, and he 
and I picked the ball up and he came over to me and said, give me the ball. And I said, well, no, you know, it's, it's my hat trick. And, I, and he was like, no, 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 I, I have to score. I have to score because he's a striker. He's like, I have to score. I said, no, no, no. So yeah. I was obviously a young lad compared to him. So I was rolling a ball around the back and trying to keep it off him. It was like a basketball match and he was trying to tear it off me. And I won the, I won the battle and I scored the penalty. And actually, it wasn't just a hat trick. That, that for me was, actually, I remember that, that was quite a big turning point for me because I felt mm -hmm. like I'd, I stood up for myself as a young player and sort of thought, actually, yeah, you know what? You know, I can give as good as I get. Where sometimes yeah. when you're a young player, you're a bit like, a bit in awe of the older players or whatever. So, um, so yeah, yeah, that was uh, one of the few goals I scored, but an important one for me in my career. And that period of time around then, it culminated in you representing England as well, like under 21. You got, was it four appearances for them? That must have been like quite an honour for you. Yeah, I mean, it was a massive honour. It was, it was a funny time because I'd... I'd um, South Africa were interested as well. We had been born there and they were about to host the World Cup. So um, I actually met uh, the same game. Stuart Pearce came to watch it. He was the under 21 manager. And the same game, the South Africa manager came uh, and I'd had a meeting with him at the stadium. And he was the old Brazilian manager. I can't remember his name. Pereira, I think maybe. And uh, yeah, yeah. so I sat down with him and that was a little bit like, blimey, that's actually the you know, the ex-Brazilian manager. So I sat, I sat down with him and he sort of said, oh, you know, I want you to come and play for South Africa and got the World Cup. And then Stuart Pearce called me up for the next game. So I had to make a decision because I just thought, well, you know, what do I do? Do I, you know, pass up the chance to play in the World Cup that's hosted by South Africa or do I go and just sort of look for the, the longer term future? And I, I ended up looking for the longer term future. I just thought I'll, I'll keep my options open with England and I just felt that, you know, if, if things carried on going the way they were going for me as a young player, then I might get a chance to play for England. And I just felt that it was right. I had a young, young family at the time as well. So um, that was incredible feeling playing for England, um, albeit for one season. I mean, the, the thing is with the setup in England now, so many good young players are coming through. Yeah. You play a couple of games and then suddenly the, the next best thing comes through and you're out. So that's sort of what happened with me a little bit, but, um, but yeah, you know, I loved, I loved it. And, you know, to, I obviously scored a goal for them as well, which, which is also extra special. And at the end of that 2008-09 season, you left Saints. I think it was a, a time where they'd just been relegated and were, were going into administration. So you then joined newly promoted Wolves for yeah. a, a million pound transfer, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, you know what? I don't actually know the 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 the, the actual figure, but um, but yeah, that was a, again that was a sort of a, 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 a tough time for me personally because Southampton just got, we just got relegated into League One. The club was in a little bit of turmoil financially, um, and they came and said we wanted to, the, the club were looking to sell. I was one of the assets at the time because I was young and I played a few games, um, and yeah, and 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 Wolves came in and, and Mick McCarthy was manager. He said, look, you know, they'd just been promoted to the Premier League. It was a, a, a dream to play in the Premier League. So, obviously, I took that. But, obviously, also the club needed to sell. So, they were like, well, actually, you know, if you want to go and we can sell you, then that, that makes sense. So, yeah, I, I went to Wolves and that that was probably the toughest year I've had in football, to be honest, because I think um, I signed a three-year deal. I only stayed there a year. Uh, the first time I'd moved away from, from home, really, uh, with my wife and my little boy and just didn't play and... You know, it was just it was just a tough, tough time, tough year. And I think by the end of it, I was ready to go. You know, I think three months left of the season, I was ready to go, really. It just felt that I wasn't really involved. It wasn't quite working out for me. So, um, you know, I was sort of looking at, right, the summer's coming. I, I need to probably move on. Uh, so I haven't played a few games in the Premier League, obviously with Wolves, but 
it just it just didn't didn't sit well. And you know, Mick McCarthy was a great manager. He was, did really really well. They stayed up in the Premier League, and the players that he had there were, were great. But it just didn't work out for me personally. And then from there, you went to Norwich, and um, you can still play for a different country after England under twenty ones, right? And you and there were a few calls for you to play for them i think it, you know, up until like t- like 2012 like you know they were still asking you but you thought you turn it down and a question from rob lee is that something you look back at and maybe you regret or not um uh, probably i think turning down a world cup probably was would be now i'd probably look back and go well, i say not a regret but sometimes i think should i have you know but I think the problem is, is it, it would have been a lot of travelling. It's not like a European team where you sort of think, well, actually, it's, you know, you're going to be playing in Europe. You're going to South Africa. You're going to play in Africa all the time. It just didn't fit fit me sort of with my life at the time. And I just, mm. I didn't, it was a tough decision. I didn't want to turn my nose up at it. I didn't want to be disrespectful to South Africa either because obviously I you know I really appreciated the interest. But I just did, what I didn't want to do is go there, not enjoy it and then think, well, now, I can't now sort of turn back, turn around and go, I don't want to play anymore because that just would have been even more disrespectful. So I just felt that it, it just wasn't worth it for me at the time with my young family and, and you know, like travelling around the world and international breaks and stuff like that. Just And obviously the African Nations Cup as well, which was, I think, what, six weeks at the time. Mm. So it just didn't suit me at the time. Yeah, now before I um, hand back to Jeff, who who will talk about the AFC Bournemouth, I I just need to talk about this photo, sirs. Hopefully you can see it. I mean, there you are celebrating <laughs> their promotion. But if if I scroll down a little bit more, oh my grief. what, what happened here, man? What I'll happened there? What, what happened I've there? got a decent package on me, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was um. Yeah, I remember that so clearly. But I mean that that was a great that was a great set of lads as well. I mean. You know, that, that again, that was similar to what we had at Bournemouth. You just got that group of players that just all got on well. Great banter between everyone. You know, there was everyone just did everything with each other all the time. It was just, it was brilliant. But yeah, that, that sort of summed it up, really. But I should get that one framed, to be honest, stick it above my bed. But no, I don't know. Now, now I can see why you left Norwich. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was at the door just after that, I think. So when you came out on loan to us again, what was it, 2013 14 season? Um, how did that all come about? Uh, so that was so. I was obviously I think I'd spent four years at Norwich, and I got I done I had a knee injury, medial, and it was like quite an ongoing thing. They couldn't quite work out what was wrong with it, but it, it turned out they'd actually torn off the bone in the end. Um, so I had a lot of injections, a lot of breaking down after a couple of training sessions, going back having more injections until they finally realised what it was and had a, an operation. And that was probably over a sort of six month period. Um, and Chris Hewton was a manager at the time. So I came back from injury and it just, again, it just, I just don't think I fitted into his plans. Just change of manager wasn't quite working out. He sort of had players that he felt that were probably suited, better suited to him. And that's fair enough. You know, it was one of those, but again, it's just one of those times where sometimes you think, actually, my time's coming to an end here. So I did pre-season with Norwich, um, was fight, struggling to find fitness, just couldn't, couldn't break through. So, and then, yeah, I think I think I spoke to my agent and said, look, you know, I need to sort of do something now. I'm not quite sure what to do. And and obviously then um, Eddie sort of said, look, you know, I'm, I'm interested. So do you want to come down here? And and that's pretty much how it happened, really. And I think I think Chris Hutton got sacked and Neil Adams came in. So he was the academy, uh, I think, academy director, academy coach at the time. Lovely, lovely guy. Um, and it was it was it was hard, really, because the chief exec at the time wouldn't let me go. Uh, even though I wasn't playing, 
um, and I wasn't going to play. So you, you end up thinking, I'm going to have to force their hand at some point, you know, and it's just sort of like, what what do I do? And it's, I'm never, I'd, I'd never, ever, you know, I see these, I see these players spitting their dummies out and refuse to play and things like that. And I, I, I just kept thinking, do I need to do, do I need to go in and say, look, I'm not playing? And I just couldn't do it. And they had a cup match just before I joined Bournemouth. Richard, uh, Richard Hughes phoned me, actually. And he said uh, it was a cup match for, for Norwich. It was a bit of a nothing game. I think it was like the Hampshire, uh, not the Hampshire Cup, the, the equivalent of the Hampshire Cup. It was like a Norfolk Cup or something. And I, because I liked Neil Adams and I didn't want to let him down, I played. And, and Richard Hughes phoned me before the game. He said, what the hell are you doing? He said, why are you playing this game? If you get injured, you're not coming. I said, well, I can't let him down. Like, before I go, I need to play in this game. So I didn't make any tackles, which is usual for me, but I didn't make any tackles. <laughs> And um, and I got through the game. I was so relieved. Um, and I think I signed. I went and signed for Bournemouth probably the next day. I think it was so. Mm. And there's a picture of you really? holding that lovely red and black shirt. And look, our first season of the championship finished tenth. I mean, I as a fan, you know, we we got promoted, of course, in that in that match against uh, Carlisle. And first season of the championship didn't really know what to expect, but to finish tenth was felt really good how how do you feel that um set us up for the following season i just think it gave us belief more than anything because i think um i think when i first joined it again it was similar to when i joined norwich none of the players had played in the championship so when we started the season out we just didn't know what to expect and it was like well how how are we all going to get on in this league that no one has got really any experience in we were, everyone knew I think they were stepping up a level from, from the promotion of League One. But actually, in the end, um, I think we just surprised things. As soon as we hit our rhythm, we, we had an OK start, um, but we just went on a decent run for the second half of the season. Yeah. I think that might be when I come on the team, actually. Mm. But um, <laughs> but no, we, um, no we, uh, we, we just went on a really good run and we finished the season really strong. And I think that, that finish and that we carried that on for the rest of the time I was there, you know, Eddie said, we ha- even if we were safe, we have to finish the season strong because if we don't, there'll be a hangover through the summer. When you start that season next season, you're going to be hungover from the next, se- the last season where you lost the last three games or whatever. So we had to finish. And because we, we finished so strong, we suddenly hit the ground running the next season um, and just stayed in around that top six. Um, what, what are your memories of the promotion season? I mean, everybody's got them. Mark you in a sombrero. What, what are yours? <laughs> Um, oh, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I think probably, I'd probably say, I think I've said it before, when we played Sheffield Wednesday away, mm. um, we, we won 2-1. I think we won 2-1 then that game, or 2-0. And that was the first time we went top of the league. Um, I, I always remember that night because it was literally like, this is on, you know, it's on now. Um, I think the, the, the time, I always remember when... Um, we played, how did we play? I might have been Sheffield Wednesday at home, actually. And, we, and I think Adam Smith come off the bench and gave a penalty away. Yeah. In the, like the last minute and they scored. And he, he cried his eyes out, bless him. Not that we ribbed him about that or anything, but um, yeah. he was in he was inconsolable. And I just remember thinking, I still believed, you know, like, and I think I texted him at night just saying, Smudge, don't worry about it. You know, we I think in that game we could have been behind anyway, but I still thought, I just said, we'll still go up, we'll still go, we'll still get promoted. And I just remember texting him and he said, yeah, I think we will as well. And I think it was just that bounce, I don't want to say bounce back ability, but we just had that, that sort of um, determination just to, to finish the job because we deserved to go up and we were playing the best football. Um, and then obviously, you know, you got the nights like when we played Bolton. 
I remember actually the day the day before um, I was around my friend's house. We just arrived and I, I was listening to the to the game on the radio and everyone else went in. I said, look, I've got to listen here for the last 10 minutes because Fulham were playing Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Yeah. And it was it when he ran the whole length of the pitch and scored. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember just jumping out of my car and I was just running around in my mate's front garden, just going, yeah. <laughs> you know, my, my wife goes, like, what's going on? I was like, oh, they just equalised. Like, you know, that means that on Monday, if we win, we're up. And I just remember like the, the WhatsApp going mental, you know, people just going like, this is it, this is it. Like, we've got it on Monday sort of thing. And it's just, like, honestly, the, the adrenaline for the whole weekend leading up to that game, the Bolton game, was just... It was just incredible and and obviously to finish the job on that monday knowing that right can we can go into the last game and really enjoy it yeah and there's my two boys there as well just to have them part of it as well and it was just a great 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 thing to sort of for me to experience my family to experience and they were then old enough also to know what i was sort of doing whereas when they're a little bit younger they don't quite grasp the fact that you know why are you running on that pitch you know it's, it's sort of they don't quite get it but it was just great, great to have them there. And I mean, what, what a night, um, just incredible. And obviously you can't forget Jeff's antics when he came in. The, in the <laughs> yeah, swearing yeah, on TV. Him. Yeah. He was swearing, he's getting spanked. It was, uh, I don't even know if it was after the watershed, but it was, um, yeah, he, he, I mean, and he's another character I've got, I've got to mention Jeff because obviously he, he actually had a meeting with us. This was when we'd already been promoted and he was telling us about the time that he's basically, he didn't say I, I saved the club, but he said when the when the club was about to go under, he was stood in a, in that meeting when they he had to make the decision as to whether he was going to put more money in just to back up another month or whatever. Going to say no, and he just said something in and just said yes, and that that decision. Then suddenly funding came. Then suddenly Eddie came back. Then suddenly before you know it, yeah, you know he, he was he was sort of like that was, and you just sort of then that that whole history of the recent history of the club just hinged on that one decision from Jeff, you know, and, and since I was there, he was just a great, him and his family were just sort of great people around the club. You just, every club needs people like that who sort of keep everyone going um, and then shed the, you know, put, put the good light on the actual club. So um, there's some great people that there, I won't try and name all of them, but there's some great people that I work with and, and met at the club and, um, you know, it's just, just a special time to be part of it. One of my favourite games was probably the, I mean, this is probably predictable, but the 8-0 at Birmingham. Uh, yeah. you, you were probably one of the only players that didn't score that day. <laughs> I sound surprised. Yeah. Uh, no, I, that, and that was, that was yeah, I, I forgot about it. It's an amazing amount of games you actually forget. You know, well, that, was, that game was incredible. I mean, and to be honest, I mean, that could have been, that could have been 12 or 13, that game. It just, it was unbelievable. But that, that sort of summed up as well, because I, I remember when you talking about Pewey there, because um, he had two... Yeah, and I can't remember who took the penalty. TK. Yeah, TK needed a goal, mm. and he and I. I remember saying to him like, because oh, he, he was like, I said, look, let TK have it. You'll get another chance. Yeah, and that that's credit to Pewey. Like that just sums him up as a person because he actually didn't argue. He was like, yeah, you, you know what? Yeah, let's do that. He gave the he gave it to TK, let him score, mm. and he scored his hat trick anyway, and he got his just rewards, but. It was so many selfless players in that team, and that's what you need if you're going to go up. You know, you got you can't have, you can't carry anyone. You can't have any selfish individuals there. So, um, yeah, just it was just that was a great that was a great day. That was yeah, absolutely brilliant. And then um, I think TK scored again in that match because he scored two. Pewey scored three. 
moment yeah. she might have popped up, but no, no Andrew Sermon on the score sheet. But we'll come to some of your goals later on. Um, Sermon at the back, just keeping everyone uh, <laughs> yeah. honest. That was it, <laughs> Jeff. Aside from uh, Josh King and Dan Gosling, when you looked at the team lining up against uh, Villa in that first game, did you think, crikey, <laughs> none of us have had Premier League experience, let alone Championship experience? Yeah, it was it, it was strange, really, because like you said, I think it's almost like you're just riding the crest of a wave still and the adrenaline just gets you through it. You don't really think about it. And I think sometimes, well, we, we had a meeting before the start of the first, the first season of Premier League and I remember the gaffer sitting down and basically just saying, right, out what are our strengths this season you know there, there was no doubt that there was better teams in terms of individuals you know you've got man united and man city but what's going to be our strength and our, one of our main strengths was people would underestimate us and we had a point to prove and, and i think that carries you quite far yeah you know if you want to get into the, the further the higher echelons you have to have the quality as well which we did have but it was just about survival and and i think once we got I mean, I thought we actually done all right against Villa on that first game. But I think once we got that first win against West Ham, again, you know, we just felt like we're good. At, we're more than good enough to compete at this level. You know, we just need to take our chances. We need to keep it tight. We need to keep playing the way we're playing, keep believing in what we're doing, and we will win more games than we lose. So. And that first season, I think you're only one of a handful of players. I think Kasper Schmeichel's done it before, but you played every minute of every game. You must be knackered come the end of the season. <laughs> no, I actually loved it. I mean, it was just great because obviously going to all these stadiums and, and you know, playing against all these top players, I just absolutely loved it. And I was just really, really lucky I didn't get injured. You know, mm. I just managed to stay injury free. And I think that's what helped us as well because we had quite a settled team. Now, that was hard for obviously players that weren't necessarily in that starting 11 or in the settled team. But, you know, you, you can't take away from their input as well. And again, Eddie, Eddie used to go on about it a lot, you know, if the starting 11 do well, then we all benefit, you know, so, and we always had a good team spirit where there was no one stabbing anyone in the back and saying, well, why is he playing and why aren't I playing? It was just, everyone worked as hard as they can to get in a team. Um, you know, and I, I remember obviously Gozo, uh, Dan Gozin when he joined, you know, he's such a good player, but because me and H never got injured and we obviously come and played that championship season together and formed a good partnership, you know, that was hard. I know that was hard for him personally because he was, chomping at the bit to get in the team and, and but when he did get he stuck he stuck with it he supported us and when he got his chance he you know he did really really well for Bournemouth as well so yeah I mean it was um it, it was it was just a it was just a great time and I think that that season like I say that that first win against West Ham and um and obviously beating Chelsea and Man United was just I mean that was one of the highlights the Chelsea away game was just incredible but how did you avoid second season syndrome? Because that's a common thing that's pointed at promoted clubs. Um, I don't really know. Obviously, we, we freshened it up a little bit. I think we brought a couple of new signings in. You know, I don't think anyone was, un no was under the illusion that we could still keep going with the same squad of players. You've got to keep evolving and keep improving and things like that. So, but I just think that the manager added some good good players and... Um, I can't even remember how we got on in the, first, the start of the first, first season, that second season. Was it? I don't know if we got off to a great start. But we ended up finishing ninth, didn't we? In the second season. Um, yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. Was that? I don't know if that was the season we brought Nathan, Nathan Aki in as well. Um, maybe I think he. I can't remember which window he came yeah, in. Knock knock <laughs> to us. You know, he, he was just he was such a good player. And he's obviously gone on to, to to play for Man City. 
he was a massive signing for us and he made a massive difference actually. But yeah, I think second season syndrome, I, I don't really know. I think it was just, can we beat what we did last year, basically? Can we finish top half? Um, and, and that was it. Mm. So in the second season, I think this was the second season. Yeah, it was. Um, you got your one and only red card in a in a certain match at Old Trafford. Uh, how is Latan? Is he all right? Oh, well, he's still recovering, apparently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Emotionally and physically, I think. But, uh, uh, it was just, it's unbelievable, really, because, I mean, if you're going to get sent off, you'd rather get sent off for something that was, like, proper, like, worth a red card, do you know what I mean? Or, But it, it was weird because it, that, that game, we, we played, um, so we were on a bit of a bad run mm. at the time, and uh, the, the gaffer was actually ill, so he came in a dressing room, but he couldn't do the oh, team yeah. tour. So um, he said, look, uh, Jace came up to me before the game, said, look, do you mind doing a tick? Because I was captain of the day, captain for the day. And um, he said, oh, do you mind doing a team talk? I said, yeah, yeah, that's fine. No problem. I didn't have a clue what I was going to say. It was literally two minutes before we were going out. So I was thinking, All right. So I just, and I think I started talking. And I think some of the players were still chatting because I think they were thinking, because <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they realised. <laughs> I started talking. Yeah, I was proper fired. I think probably too fired up because of course then, but, um, but I remember the first tackle. I actually thought it was a good tackle against Luke Shaw. I, I don't know why I got yellow. It, it was just, I won the ball. It was fine. And then the second one, I think it was obviously Mingzi stamped on uh, Zlatan's head. Then Zlatan elbowed him. Hmm. Um, and then after he elbowed him, I went in and just sort of was like, I was about to push him. And as I went to push him, I thought, I better not push him because I would have been booked. I put my hands on his chest and he just went down like a sack of spuds. And I was like, oh, no, he's, I'm definitely done here. So the ref, I think the ref didn't realise he booked me. If he realised he'd already booked me, I don't think he'd have booked me. But he, he got the yellow out really quick. And then it was like, well, I've booked him twice now. I'm going to have to send him off. And it was actually Luke Shaw. I was stood down the pitch thinking he's forgotten. <laughs> that Luke Shaw that came over, ran past me. He was like, he's already been booked. And I grabbed him. I was like, Luke, Luke, no, no. <laughs> and he sent me off. I just thought... But to be honest, we went, we we held on, didn't we, for one all? Um, somehow the lads put in an unbelievable shift, and um, I was actually buzzing because thinking if we lose this, I'm going to get it in it right in the neck from the gaffer, which mm. I did anyway. But it would have been ten times worse, I think, if we'd have lost that game because we needed like that point at that moment in time. So, yeah, Josh King scored a penalty, didn't he? And I think Arthur yeah. Boric even saved a penalty as well. And I was I was just yeah. looking back at replays, Jeff, of that. Um, that Mings like incident, it it wasn't yeah. intentional, was it? Well, two two things I was going to say first. I, <laughs> I mean, allegedly, allegedly, he stamped on his head, didn't he? Because well, it was alleged. Yeah, I, I just think he just didn't see him there. But um, I, I mean, I can't comment really, just in case the police are watching. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I think. Um, but it was just incredible because we think someone got their head stamped on, someone got elbowed, and I was the one that got sent off. <laughs> I, just, I still can't work it out. The the second question I've got for you is. Uh, um, Zlatan, is he the biggest player you have you have ever decked in your life? Um, probably the only player I've ever decked. I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, probably to be fair. I mean, is that is my probably my claim to fame? It's funny because I um, you sort of like you know you sort of looking if there's any bit of media and stuff like that to do when you're finished and thinking oh you know I might try and get in a bit and someone actually phoned me and said um do you mind doing a piece on Zlatan and Ibrahimovic? This was like after I retired. And I was like, what do you mean a piece on him? Mm -hmm. He said, oh, you know, just talk about when you pushed them over. And 
tell us how like how horrible he was and all this. And I was like, what are you talking about? I don't think he even knows who I am. <laughs> he probably knows. Who does that? Um, but it was just yeah, it was incredible. But yeah, that's that's my claim to fame. So I'm the man that pushed. I put him on his uh, on his bum. So. <laughs> absolutely love it and we've got another comment on screen there as well with regards to that we've had a number of questions that have related um to that but look um, i want to talk about you know some of the goals you scored for us because yeah they were few and far between but you know they were some really good strikes and one of them that i think is maybe underrated i, I don't know is that one at home against brighton where we won 2-1 where the ball slipped through to you we all thought you was going to hit it with your right you didn't like you feigned, you check back onto your left and caressed it into the corner. Um, it, you know that must be one of the goals you're proud of. You must be proud of a few of your strikes because you know you've scored some worldies. Yeah, I was really pleased with that one because I think um at the time as well we we'd lost our first four games, yeah. so yes, that's right. We were sort of really struggling, and that was a funny one because it was like the mentality seemed to be because we had we had Man City first game of the season when Chaz scored that worldie, and then we had Watford at home. So it was almost like, oh, well, we'll, we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll see how we do against City, but we'll definitely beat Watford. You know, that was, it, without saying it, it felt like that. So then when we lost to Watford as well, it was like, oh, no. Then we lost the third, I can't remember, we played the third game. Um, and it was almost like, we've really, like, taken this for granted here. We, we just thought we were going to be all right. Um, and I, I just felt I just felt that that was the feeling at the time without, like I say, not, no one sort of said, oh, we'll be all right. It just It just felt like that. That we were almost maybe a little bit too comfortable to start the season, and that game came up. I thought actually we lost to Arsenal, so I got left out against Arsenal, which mm. I was obviously wasn't happy about at the time. But when they chucked me back in the next game, I sort of felt it was probably a good thing for me because it actually made me feel like I had a point to prove. Um, and then when we went one nil down, I think everyone was a bit like, "Oh, here we go again. It's the fifth loss in a row," sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I was just I was really pleased with it because obviously it brought Jordan Ibon, who you know we made a massive difference in that game. Um, and I think anyone who knows me on my right foot knows that I'm definitely not going to hit it with my right foot, apart from Lewis Dunk, who I sent in for a, I sent in for a pie, didn't I? Um, <laughs> yeah, and, then, yeah. Um, and then yeah, and then I um, yeah, I just it just happened really quick, and I slotted it in, and then I felt like that goal sort of felt like right, we're back in it, you know, we, we're yeah. here, like this, this we're going to win this, and obviously you've got someone like Jermaine Defoe who gets oh, a yeah. chance in front of goal. I mean, he, he ain't going to miss that, um, and that was a bit of a springboard because I think we beat Stoke the next game and um, scored in that. Yeah, that's it. And then suddenly we were on six points from nowhere and it was like, oh, actually, you know, we're right now. <laughs> so. And often when we were um, under pressure in the Premier League, Eddie used to pick the stalwarts of the, the championship season, not Pew, Frano, Steve Cook, yourself. Did Was that something the team was aware of or how did how did he always revert back to you guys, do you think? Um, I don't know. I, th I think sometimes you see it at a lot of clubs the difficult thing is when you bring new signings in and you've already got a decent recipe, it's trying to mold, it's trying to fit them into the, the team where they just hit the ground running. And sometimes it doesn't quite work or sometimes, you know, the partnerships quite aren't quite there and it's not, you know, all the cogs aren't quite turning. And when you've got players that have already clicked over a number of years, when you, you know, obviously myself came back in or, or players that came back in that have been there for three or four years, you know exactly what you're doing. You know exactly what the manager expects of you. You're suddenly playing as a partnership with someone that you've played with for four years. And suddenly the team looks different again. Suddenly we're like, oh, actually, you know, we this is what we used to do type thing. And But that's difficult. You, it's difficult. You need to give players time. Because, I mean, I've never been at a club 
where the demands that the manager put on us was just so high. So when it, sometimes players were coming in thinking, God, like, how do you how do you run so many miles in training or why do you, you know, how do you work that hard? Like, they, they're just sort of like, they can't believe it. They're sort of like, I've never been at a club that I've had to work this hard. And I think that's, that's, the, that's the thing sometimes. It is always difficult for players to sort of, um, you know, mould into the way that the manager wants to play. And I think sometimes that's why he ended up maybe going back and sort of saying, well, I've got trusted players. And trust is a massive thing, I'm sure any manager will say. You know, if you trust players, you trust that when they go back in, that you're probably more often than not going to get know what you're going to get from them. Mm. Um, and that's probably what it was, I think. Those those hard training sessions, I mean, it's it's been like we've interviewed a number of players and they've all said the same things, how hard it is. And you and you look at the stats and often like yourself and you know, Dan Gosling were the ones that had run like more than any other player. So obviously that mentality has been you know, like instilled by Eddie. But do you think the kind of intensity of the training, I mean, do you think it had like anything to do with all the ACLs that we used to get? Because we used to get them all the time. Oh, was, that, that was just incredible that, that time because... I mean, I kid you not, like the manager, the staff were just, co you know, constantly looking into reasons, you know, it was just mm. they couldn't understand why the pitches, what were the, what were the pitches like, the pitches are different, what studs are the players wearing, what boots are they wearing? Wow. It just was like, I mean, because when I remember when we signed Mingzi and we signed, um, oh, God, I can't believe I've forgotten his name. Both did their ACLs in the first game. Max Gradle. Yeah. So they were two new signings, both did their ACLs, and it was like, well, we just spent X amount on these players that were coming in to improve the team, and they're out for like the season or whatever. And obviously, Callum Wilson did his crew, did his cruise shit, and then yeah. suddenly came back and did his other one. You know, it just yeah, I've never I've never seen anything like it. So the intensity of the training was questioned, but then I think things did change a little bit because I think it was like, okay, right, we need to just pull a couple of players out of training. You know, we need mm -hmm. to make. But it's very difficult because how are you supposed to work with your squad of players and work on certain things in training if half your squad sat in the treatment room going, yeah. you know, it is difficult. But yeah, I, I don't know what the, I mean, I think we even had a guy that came in that was like an expert on pitches or something like that. And he was inspecting it. And I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if we were just unlucky in the end. So you're not really on social media, are you, sirs? Um, no. Any reason for that? Is that something you, you decided out from, from the beginning of your career? Um. Yeah, probably. I've, I've never been that into it. Um, yeah, I, I just think I think the main reason at the beginning was I just felt there was too much negativity on there. I just felt that if I come in from a uh, coming from a match, whether I think I've done well or not, you know, if I look on my Twitter feed and you know there's a hundred people, I probably say I would fear that there was probably fifty of those would say like who wouldn't even know me, maybe ever watched the game, would say something negative. And the problem is, it doesn't matter who you are, the more you read of that, those are the ones that stick with you. It's great to read lovely things about yourself, but if, you keep, if you're constantly getting negative feedback, and if I've had a bad game, I know I've had a bad, bad game, I don't want to go on social media and find out what everyone else thought, how bad I thought they thought I was, you know? So I think that stopped me at first. And then I think from that point on, I just felt like, well, actually, I don't, I don't really feel the need to be on there, yeah. you know? It's a great marketing tool. I think nowadays, if you really want to market yourself, you have to have Instagram or you have to have Twitter or whatever. But I just I just didn't feel that I needed that in my life. But um, some players did do that. And it's a great way of connecting with the fans as well sometimes. But yeah, it just didn't, it just didn't suit me. Mm. What did you read about Sirs Online, Jeff? It's all positive, surely. Well, it must have been. 
you you may you may know that you did get a bit of stick uh i think simon k pulled this out you, you got called sideways sermon uh, uh not the crap not the crab as well we've got the old well, crab as well yeah yeah you, know, can sideways, you yeah. can say that uh, this is a, yeah, this yeah. Is a you know we're trying to be yeah. nice but i mean yeah. how did how 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 did that did that bother you did they did it did it get to you that that and did did the teammates call you that as well no no to be to be fair i think the problem is as is, is well is sometimes you get someone gets something in their head and thinks yeah you pass the side you pass sideways in that game and then they can't see past if you do pass forward they don't see that so i knew my stats i knew because we there's everything's about stats nowadays so i know my stats and how many play, times i mean times i play forward times i play backwards the manager will pull me in and he'll tell me if i'm playing too much sideways or backwards he'll turn around and say you should have played forwards there you know my my favorite pass was getting the ball and playing through the lines into like especially when Pewie was playing into Pewie and the like the little the, like the little hole and i used to love playing that pass which was a forward pass i used to love doing that but i think the thing is as well is at premier league level keeping the ball is so important so sometimes i probably was a little bit safe but in a way that was my job my job was not to put the ball at risk because especially when you're a sitting midfielder if you if you put the ball at risk and you turn the ball over too much yeah you know teams are in you but i mean I, there's probably times when i could have played forward more but you look at international football now that's probably one of the problems you know there's a lot a lot of sideways passes because people don't want to put the ball at risk because they know they've got quality players running through it yeah so can I say something controversial? Sam? Yeah. I reckon I reckon Scott Parker would love you. Yeah. Yeah, because there's some some of the way the team play. I'm I mean, I'm not sure how much you saw of us play last season, but there's some of the games it was all about dominating the ball, dominating possession. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes the ball would go round in this kind of horseshoe yeah. for like 10, 15 minutes, it felt like. Yeah. Before it went forward, you know, it was like And sometimes sometimes it is frustrating to watch. I, I do get that because obviously there's different styles of play. I mean, I, I was at MK Dons for the last year and Russell Martin, who I was at Norwich with, he was he was the manager. And if you look at the stats of that, I mean, we were we, we were like seven, this is League One, we had like seven over 70% possession most games. Wow. We wouldn't really go anywhere with it, but it was brilliant. You know, we were just passing the ball around and all that sort of thing. And we did look good. Like, we did batter a few teams, but obviously you put, you pass, if you're passing a lot in your own half, you and you lose it, you're going to be under, you know, under threat. But yeah, there's different ways. Um, I mean, you look at the, the best ones you've got to look at are probably City because they keep the ball, but they're so progressive the way they play. They get into the final third so many times. Um, but yeah, well, never know. I might get the old boots back out. Give uh, Scott a <laughs> ring. <laughs> yeah. Well, I thought, I, I just thought you were really effective at grabbing the ball sort of quite deep, but you spread out wide and quickly. And that was like one of the, you know, like important things because it, you know, quite often it did put like, you know, Pewee on or on or whatever. So I thought, no, I, uh, you know, there are some people that used it negatively, but there are some people that actually realize your quality as well. The more learned oh, fans, I would say. So it's not, it's not a bad thing, but look, as much as you were a very much loved player at Decor, you never really had a standalone song. Does that, does that, does that sort of great on you that you don't really have anything yet? Someone like, I don't know, like Wana Turbe comes in and that's a song even before he's kicked a ball. Yeah, I know. it is. It is funny. I I think that was it was said a few times between the lads, like not just me, but there's a couple of lads that don't, wouldn't have songs or whatever. Steve I mean, it didn't bother me too much. I think I did. I did end up tagging onto one of Lewis Cook's songs at one yeah. point. Um, but then when I wasn't playing, they used to sing Lewis Cook, the Lewis Cook song. But then when the, like the other player, where they just 
go just mumble because there was no one to say that still happens now yeah (laughs) but so yeah i I think my name must have slotted quite well into his song but i'll take it because it was just um i'll just tag along on his and there's a question here from Nathan Watkins uh, talking about the variety of midfield roles that you played. I mean, you were, sometimes you were deep line, sometimes further forward. Uh, sometimes you even did make tackles. I saw that. So <laughs> what, what did you prefer? What was your what was your favourite central midfield role? I love just being a sitting midfielder in, in front of the back four because I just felt you just got so much of the ball. I think the problem is playing. I, I played as an eight before, you know, when they played, when we played three in midfield and played as like one of the two the problem is a completely different different way of playing even though you're a midfielder because you've got you've got your back to the goal and there's players certain players are better at taking the ball in the half turn and driving or you know someone like I mean who would I play with um, someone like Junior Stanislas was good at that you know he would he would receive the ball in that gap and he would turn and he would create from that point whereas I was better off facing the whole pitch if you know what I mean yeah. I felt more comfortable sort of if I got the ball and turned, I could see everyone in front of me rather than turning, thinking there's someone right behind me because then it, it's just different type of players. I mean, if I'd have played there more, maybe I would have adapted to that. But yeah, I did I did like playing that, that one sitter. And I think sometimes if you play with two sitters, you end up getting in each other's way because, you you know, some play, sometimes I play with players and I think, oh, I want to go there and get the ball. But he's there and now he's not getting it. And now I can't get it, you know. So it's there's a lot to think about. But yeah, I like playing that single role. So we'll, we'll we'll talk about the um, the relegation season briefly, and you know that season. I think your last game uh, for us was uh, was the three nil against Burnley in mm. the Premier League. Yeah, um, tell us about how much you love VAR. Oh god! Well, that, that was another game where you like you know like you felt like how are we losing this game? Like we yeah. were so much better than them in the first half, and. Obviously, um, you know, that one was that was disallowed for, I, th- I can't remember his shoulder, it came off. Phil Bill's Phil, shoulder. Phil, yeah. was it Josh, who put it in? I can't remember. Like, it was yeah. a Phil Bill-Josh King combo. Yeah, it came off his shoulder and then it was Smudge's like, handball. And it was like, and you, you end up coming out of time thinking, how the hell are we 2-0 down? And then the problem is, when you're 2-0 down, they're, they're, someone like Burnley are very good at just getting everyone behind the ball and going, go on, then break us down. And they just hit us on a break. We just, I mean, 3-0. It was never a 3-0. Maybe second half it was because yeah. we just became a little bit spread out. But I just think it was one of those games which felt so much control first half. And you walk away losing 3-0 and you just can't quite, you're scratching your head thinking, how the hell has that happened? But that probably summed up our season a little bit that season. You know, where I think I remember playing in the Sheffield United game the week before. And we were so dominant first half and we ended up mm. coming in at one all and then we lost 2-1 in the final minute. And it was like, how the hell has that happened, you know? Um, mm. But it's all about results, isn't it? That's the thing. Oh, yeah. So how's how's Chris Wilder as well? Is he all right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, not, and that's another one. I've, uh, <laughs> he's having nightmares still. <laughs> yeah, that was funny, though, because that was like, um, it, ball, it was like so innocuous. Like, the ball went out for a throw and their number two, I can't remember his name, he picked the ball up and he put it behind his back. Yeah. So as I moved towards him to get the ball, Chris Wilder stepped in front of me. So, and it was sort of like stared me out, and almost was like, "Well, you, you know, what you're going to do?" So I sort of half pushed him, and then it just went like, "Man!" And I could just see their number two in the background, just like, like sort of smiling at me, going, hey, "Like," and I was just like, "Oh, it, that was a bit of handbags, to be fair." But I think I'd have loved to beat them after that. Um, but he's, he's obviously, you know, I've got no issues with him. He's, he's obviously a top, uh, top man. He did well for Sheffield United, didn't he? So. 
and COVID, I mean, it, it did feel really strange when that happened and Project Restart was announced, fans were excited at, at the return of football, but it must have been weird for you. I mean, what were you doing? Zoom training sessions. How did that work? Yeah, it was strange, actually. Yeah, we were doing, we were given programs and everything like that. And um, we had to just, I just start ordering stuff into my house for like just some sort of gym equipment or something because I just didn't have anything with me. Um, and I was still going for runs and stuff um, down the park and stuff. I, I think that was legal. I'm not going to get into the old party gate thing, but yeah. I think, um, yeah, so I, I was still I was still working hard. Um, and actually, when I came back, I actually felt in really good condition, but it was just a mess because obviously we were in quite a precarious position, mm. um, more precarious than other teams. And you're playing behind closed doors. And it, again, it just didn't, it just didn't work out in the end. And, um, you know, it was, it was sad. It was a sad way to, for the club to actually, to go down because I just felt that, you know, we'd worked so hard. And I think I felt sorry for Eddie as well, because yeah, I know how hard he's how hard he worked to to get us into that position and and try and pull us out of that sort of slumber that we're in the back at the bottom, um, and obviously then him going was just probably the worst ending. I'm, I'm sure he would have liked to leave if he ever left on the terms of right. I've left the club in the Premier League, and you know look what we've achieved. I mean, you know that uh, he deserved better than that, really. But yeah, it was just a really sad sort of sad season, really, for the club. Mm, so. Before those nine games happened, um, yourself, Frano, Arta Boric, Charlie Daniels, you all signed short-term contract deals. Ryan Fraser didn't. Discuss. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting one. Um, I suppose on the one hand, people would have looked at it and gone, well, you know, he's left, he's sort of left us in the trenches here. You know, he's, we're all signed, we're all fighting for the same cause, trying to keep us up. He's sort of looking after number one, but, it's a difficult one. I, I don't. I don't blame him for thinking I don't want to get injured before I go. He's he's obviously had a big move lined up, and he's thinking I don't want to get injured. I, I don't really know. I mean, I personally would have signed, like, if I in that position. But everyone's different. Um, I can't really judge him too much because I just feel that, you know, when he's looking at his own career as well. You know, and as selfish as that sounds, he does have to look after himself and probably thinks, well, if I'd have got injured in that last 10 games or whatever it was, that could have completely screwed my career um, and we might have got relegated still. So I can see I can see why he made that decision as hard as it is for fans to see and, and, and players. You know, sometimes you look at it and you think, oh, cheers, cheers, mate. Um, but it, it's, it's, a, it's a very delicate situation. And I think, I think the manager handled it well. You know, he obviously had a good chat with him and things like that. And I think he... Um, but you can't force someone to do something that they've, if they've made a decision and they've been advised to do something, it's it's very difficult to then yeah. turn their turn their heads or change their mind. Happier times. Uh, we went to St Mary's and won three one that season. How did that feel? Yeah, that was yeah, it was brilliant. I mean, it was great just to be there playing against Southampton and um, being part of it. Really, I think uh, you know, obviously, I've always supported Southampton and. But they're always extra special because it's a South Coast derby, and I know I know people will sort of like play it down and. It's not as big as potentially Southampton, Portsmouth, and all that sort of stuff. But it's always nice to have an extra bit of spice, you know, because mm. every every club wants to be competitive. Everyone wants to compete with each other, especially your neighbours. So people sort of call it the friendly derby, but it's still not a great place to go. And I remember the the manager saying, as one of the sort of motivate motivating sort of things, was we've never won at St Mary's, 
you know, I'd love to go there and, and win at St. Mary's. And, and we did that. And he was, yeah, like I said, I mean, I only came on for the last minute or whatever, but it was just great to be on the pitch. And, um, you know, it, the sort of your loyalties go out the window. You know, obviously, again, like, although I was a Saints fan, it, it, it was it was all about winning the game. And, and that was a great win. And again, you look at the football we played, especially in the first half, and Carton's still scratching your head thinking, how do we get relegated? It's just, yeah, just incredible. Mm. But is it weird though playing your sort of you know your boyhood club and then yeah i i remember one of the replays of the callum goal where the defender miscued it and callum just walks it in and you were just on the halfway line or something going like that um is it a bit weird or is that or does that not come into it mentally no i think when you're on the pitch you just you just play you know you get involved in the emotion of it all when the game ended you know i, I it was nice because i could i still got a good relationship with the Southampton fans and things so it's nice to be able to then see people after the game and you know it's it's not being disrespectful by sort of wanting to beat them you know because you win and you want to win a game of football and it's not because i'm like i want to beat Southampton. it's because i want to win that game of football so yeah it was it's, it is a little bit strange going back to a club where i actually came through and playing at the same stadium for a different team and playing in the Premier League. But, um, but yeah, it was all about winning the game. And it was a real sucker punch when we did go down. Uh, how did you feel as a player when we were so close to staying up, particularly on that last game where, you know, if West Ham get a result, we're up, but we didn't make it. So how did, how did the team and the squad and you personally feel about it all? Uh, yeah, gutted. I mean, we knew it was that we were obviously against the odds because we were relying on other results, but... I just think, yeah, it was it was completely gutting, and and I think the whole, I think you almost it was almost, it, you almost felt that is this an end of an era because, obviously I I was running out my contract was running out Chaz, um, Frano obviously the manager was there was you know whispers about him potentially leaving and, and I just think it just felt like an end of an era you know going down and I think if we'd have stayed up things might have been different you know the manager might have stayed and and things you know. Um, would have been different, but yeah, it was it was really tough to take, especially having worked so hard to get the club in that position. So when Eddie did leave, I you know I don't know about you, but I I, I sort of saw rumblings on social media, and I I thought it was all going to be very positive, and then it was I was just watching some like something awful on ITV or whatever on a Saturday night, and then all of a sudden my phone pings, you know, have you seen the Eddie news? And then. Oh my God, he's gone, and that yeah, that felt so weird. How does it feel as a player, and how did you find out? Uh, uh, literally, Sky Sports News, Sky Sports News popped up um, saying Eddie House. Well, I don't know if it's I can't remember was it sacked by Bournemouth or whatever it was. Um, yeah, I was actually in Cornwall at the time um, on holiday, and uh, I just remember it wasn't just me. Like I was with my wife and my kids and um, and her family, and I think it just everyone just felt because it was so part of our lives and, you know, it's been a massive experience in our lives and such a big part. It just when it happened, it was like, I think the whole room felt it, if you know what I mean, just sort of like, wow, you know, that's mm. massive. Um, to Joe Bloggs in the street, probably wouldn't have batted an eyelid. But when when you are a Bournemouth fan and, you you know, you're, you're, you've been part of that. So, yeah, I was obviously devastated for him because, it, and obviously the club, because obviously the club lost, lost a great manager, but... I was obviously devastated for him because I know how much he cared and how much he put into it. So I, I did phone him straight away and left a voicemail for him. Obviously, he would have been you know, on date with calls, I'm sure, and, and did actually speak to him. And yeah, obviously, he was disappointed, I think. But, um, you know, these things happen. And, and unfortunately, you're in a results-based industry, even though at the time when we got promoted, it was like, there's no, you know, there's no one else that could ever take over this club because he was so throughout the club. 
uh, so involved. But and I know how much it meant to him and all this sort of thing. But unfortunately, the the game moves on and, and it evolves, and and the next person comes in, and and you know, it did just felt like an end of an era, really. But um, but I'm you know, I'm sure he left. Uh, well, he will have left with massive admiration and respect from everyone involved. I think. I think one of the games that we're all looking forward to next season is Newcastle. How do you, how do you think he's going to feel playing us? Uh, I think he's professional enough to know. It will be a little bit special for extra special for him, I'm sure. But I think I don't think it's going to be extra special in terms of I really, really want to beat these. It's more. It probably feels strange for him, but again, yeah. I think it will just be like, right, well, you know, it's another game. I want to win it um, because it isn't the same Bournemouth that probably he was part of. It's, it's again, it's changed a new manager, new staff, all this sort of thing. So, and and he's done wonders at Newcastle. I mean, it's it's incredible what he's done. So, I'll definitely be watching that with you know with interest because I think it'll be um, one a good game of football, but but two just sort of you know how Eddie approaches the game um, tactically and you know. Yeah. Um, and things like that. So, do you, do you think you'd have stayed? Uh, do you think had he stayed on, you'd have been here for another season or so? Uh, I think would have stayed up. Maybe. I think. I don't. I think. I think with relegation, I just felt the writing was on the wall because I just felt that actually financially it doesn't make sense for the club to keep a player that hasn't really played this season. So, um, obviously, there's always that thing where you think, oh, maybe they will or whatever. But so yeah, if, if we'd have stayed up, maybe he'd have stayed. Maybe I'd have got another year or something like that. But. You know, everything happens for a reason. You know, it happened, and and I moved on. So it's just, uh, it was disappointing. I just think it was disappointing to leave the club. Again, like I'm saying about Eddie, you know, to leave the club in a position that it's just been written on a relegation. It just, you know, it was just, a, it wasn't a great feeling. But um, again, these things happen. So, um, what about the way you left? Did you get a phone call from Jason, or didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it was weird. It was a weird situation because I hadn't really spoken to anyone. And I didn't really know what was going on. And obviously, I knew Eddie had gone. Um, and then I saw, and then I spoke to, I was again, I was in Cornwall and Richard Hughes phoned me and said, you know, look, we're not going to offer you a new deal. But I wanted to tell you, it's not great to tell you this. And he was he was fine, you know, there's no problem there. But but then I saw, like, sort of Jace come out and say, I'm going to speak to Sirs and Frano. And I thought, well, I already know. So, <laughs> <laughs> and then, then it literally... It just literally, uh, uh, I can't remember who it was. I think it was like Radio Sony or someone messaged me saying, oh, do you mind us phoning you just to do an interview? Not really knowing anything. And they said, oh, so, you know, what's the thing? And I, they said, uh, and I, I just said, oh, no, I haven't actually spoken to Jason. They asked me, and I said, I haven't actually spoken to Jason Tinder. And I think he was a bit like, what? What do you mean you haven't spoken to him? And I was like, oh, no, Richard Hughes told me. And then I, I tried to sort of, then, then I started like thinking, oh, no, I think I've got him in trouble with. So I just said, oh, you know, obviously, he's, you know, I'm sure he's busy. And, but I think he was. I think genuinely, I think Jace was, you know, he'd taken over this role where now he was like, Jesus, I'm manager, you know, and he had loads of stuff to sort out. So it, it probably was disappointing. He did phone me afterwards and just sort of said, look, I apologise for not speaking to you earlier. So fair play to him. It was fine. Um, we Again, we still got a good relationship. So it's not like we fell out over it. It just... I think it probably the way it all happened, relegation, Eddie leaving, not getting a new deal, not being probably contacted by the right person. Um, but it's all fine now. So, Do you think the club was built a little bit too much around Eddie? Because once he went, it felt as though loads of things had to change. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think I think the thing is, when you look at his backroom stuff, you know, and I, I can see why, because you had like Eddie, you had Jace, you had Perchy, you had Biggin, um, you had... Mm. 
all you know jimmy glass all in the staff and they were all brilliant and inevitably they were obviously eddie's men and they had a history with the club and they were deeply rooted into the club so it made sense and they were all brilliant characters and you know it was a great thing to be part of but like you say i suppose as soon as eddie goes the person that's obviously recruited them and brought them into the club is gone so now someone comes in and goes right okay i want my own staff and and then he starts making changes i want my own physio i want my own fitness staff i want my own yeah. first team coaches and and those people that the good people that were obviously really cared about the club are out you know and and again like, like i say it's just the evolution of football that just happens managers want to come in but they want to bring in people they can trust and unfortunately people that have been there for a long time sometimes end up being the victims of of that so okay we've got some quick fire questions for you now says uh, best AFC B midfielder you have played with. Best centre was that. Best AFC B midfielder. Oh, if you could one pick now. one, if you could pick one, who's alongside you? Um, you know, I don't know. It's a tough one. It's between. It's got to be between H and and Gozo, really. Mm -hmm. Um. I think mainly because for different reasons, I have to pick both of them because me and H had such a good relationship in midfield. I'm going to sit on the fence here, big time. But <laughs> me and H had such a good relationship in it, so we obviously had a lot of a lot of time where we, you know, good times where we we as a partnership we did really well. But then Gozo, I felt like his work ethic was ridiculous. He was a good player, he's a great lad, and when he played, I always knew that. Like, because we used to do this thing where we used to shuffle across the pitch. That was our, like, where we used to work on that a lot. So the four midfielders would shuffle from left to right and the distances had to be the same. And if you're not fit enough, if I go across and my midfielder doesn't come across with me, a gap appears. But I always knew Gozo was there. So if I ran, I wouldn't even have to look around and see where he is. He would just say, I'm, I'm here, sirs, or I'd do the same to him. So, um, yeah, I'm going to sit on the fence there, both of them. <laughs> All right. Okay. So one of the questions was uh, the best memory uh, AFCB on and off the pitch, which I think we've pretty much covered before. That was from Sammy Nell. But here's a question from Mark Jackson, and we will make this quick fire. Uh, you can have a night out with three current or ex Bournemouth players. Who are you picking and why? Oh, okay. Uh, I think. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, um, I'm trying to think, I've played with in the past. This is going to take a while. This um, <laughs> yeah. it's only allowed to choose from because we had a few decent nights out. Yeah. Uh, probably say, um, <sighs> I'll probably say, uh, Smudger Adam Smith, yeah. uh, just because he's just the character, like he's got great banter, and yeah, he's he's a great lad. Uh, I'd probably say Gozo, yeah. Dan, Dan Goslin, yeah, another great lad, but like great on a night out as well. And I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably say I'm just trying to pick the lads. That I know that will always be there. Yeah, that's the thing because you know that they're always going to be out um, if you're out. So. I'd probably say probably Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson, I think fair, just fair. again, just banter and he always pays for the table, so it's um 
<laughs> we always managed to get him to pay for the bill at the end. So, so the, the next question's from Sam Summers. What's it like to be the best-looking central midfielder of all time? <laughs> I thought you were going to say it at, on this call, but um, <laughs> um yeah, well, I'm very flattered. So I don't know if that's true, but um, but yeah, no, thank you very much. Yeah, I mean, come on, take a look, take a look at that photo. Those smouldering <laughs> eyes. Look Where's at that. Where's the music? Where's the background music? Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> I know. I, I don't know if it's a, a photo shoot for Love Island or for the Bournemouth program. I just can't tell. But dream, I'm very, dream. I look serious there, don't I? It's yeah. funny because when we used to do these sort of shoots, I never used to know whether to smile or do like a smolder. And in the end, I end up using like putting some sort of weird face where I was sort of like trying, but one eye shut and just like sort of dirty smirk. But yeah, yeah I try to try to nail the old smolder, but hopefully it worked. I don't know. Um, and we've had another question. Is it right that you um, you stepped in and paid for a season ticket for a, for a long-serving member of staff who was let go during our Premier League years? Yeah, I did, yeah. So, um, so yeah, he was, uh, what's it called? He left quite early mm. um, and he was uh, obviously working for the club for quite a long time. Um, and, yeah, when he left, uh, he was a guy, guy called Pete, mm. um, Pistol Pete, we used to call him. Oh, nice. And, uh, yeah, so he uh, he was just a great guy um part of the seasons when we were sort of doing really well and yeah just yeah it just i just felt it was right because he left the club and i didn't i wasn't sure if like and this wasn't aiming at anyone at the club it just i felt that he'd done more than he probably got appreciated for so i just nice. yeah we, we still kept in touch and yeah felt that he, he sort of uh deserved that so cool when you went to mk dons there was a goal that you scored only one of two goals that you scored against northampton town that was a thunderbolt volley top corner what have you got against scoring boring goals? <laughs> you know, I think I think the problem the problem is because of the position I played, I just never got in the box. Mm. So, it, like, there was never anything that just dropped and I just toe poked it in or whatever. It was always like I was coming onto things on the edge of the box, or you know, the ball would come to the edge, or I, I, it'd be building up from from quite far out. So I think I was always coming from deep rather than maybe players that play further forward in midfield. They're constantly making the box wingers, constantly making the box strikers. So there's a lot of tappings, a lot of headers, stuff like that. But so I think when I did score, it was usually like I had to do something special to try and get the ball in the net. So that's probably why, to be fair. Although I think your goal for England under 21s was a tap in, I think. It was, it? yeah. But I think I, was, I must have been playing a bit further forward there. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> that's a great barnet as well. If you've got a picture of that, that is absolutely horrendous, that barnet. But I will, I'll make sure I find it. So look, um, you, you decided to retire. Uh, tell us about that. Tell us your reasons why. When you've, like preferred to do it in front of fans or anything like that or was it just like did it just feel like the right time yeah that was something that crossed my mind um i just felt that i think when i a few years before i left bournemouth obviously you're trying to plan for the future and you you could only see yourself obviously staying there but the last year obviously you sort of start something you're okay well, what i'm going to do if i don't get a contract here what i'm going to do and i quite fancy playing abroad but the problem was was that i just didn't have I didn't have the options that I thought I would, you know, sometimes some, some due to COVID or mainly probably due to COVID, but also because obviously everyone was tightening their purse strings. Um, and also due to the fact that you couldn't travel. Um, and the fact that as a player, obviously I was 33 at the time, 34, hadn't played that much the season before. So I wasn't probably, you know, that 
sort of person that maybe a lot of clubs are looking for because if they were going to spend money they were probably looking at spending especially in the championship spending money on players that would they could sell on and, I, and my sell-on potential just wasn't there with my age so I went and trained with Luton for a little while uh, for a couple of weeks but again it was like there wasn't anything concrete and I, I needed something concrete so I ended up not training at staying there because they just couldn't guarantee me anything at the time and and yeah just I ended up going to MK Dons and I really enjoyed it there but again it was a travelling um, being away from my family um, I still felt I could play at a high level but I just felt potentially the motivation for me was going probably for all those reasons I, I didn't feel the same buzz that I was getting when I was playing at Bournemouth and in the Premier League and things like that so I think it just became a culmination and, and I was sort of turning 35 and I, like I say it just didn't it was just not the options where I sort of thought well I've got my pick what should I do it was just almost like well I'm not really sure I, I think maybe it's a sign to say maybe call it a day I felt physically I probably could have played on mm. I think mentally I think I'd, I'd made the decision and the hardest thing probably was the amount of people kept saying to me like oh, you, you still got another year in yeah no. so you sort of like then you start doubting thinking oh should I shouldn't I mm. should I? you know but I just had to just make a decision and say that that was me so um, and I've really enjoyed it. I've spent a lot of time with my kids. My kids are still young, um, yeah. you know, and I've managed to do things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do if I was playing. And as lucky as I was to play, and I still managed to do a lot of things, and I was lucky, but a lot of things that I probably wouldn't have been able to do or see and experience with my kids and my wife and everything like that, it just wouldn't have been um, been the same. Okay, one last question then. You're, you're doing a lot of media punditry. I mean, you're modelling yourself on Willow. Although I'm pleased, <laughs> pleased to see you've not gone topless for this interview. That's, that's <laughs> um, where do you think that's going to go? And looking forward, where do you think we're going to do, or how do you think we're going to do next season back in the Premier League? Uh, yeah, well, media-wise, um, I'm I've sort of always available to do stuff. So I've just sort of said that to to the team and just said, look, if you ever need someone to come and do co-commentary or whatever, then you know, and I've done a, I've done quite a bit with Southampton as well in the suites and and a bit of radio with them. So. It's been really good. Um, I think in terms of Bournemouth, I think I think they will need to make signings. You know, it's yeah. still a young team. Probably, although you've got players like, you know, Lewis Cook, um, obviously Billing um, and players like that that have played in the Premier League mm. and obviously Dom, you, you do need experience. Um, I think, to be honest, I think it, it, it was such a successful season last season just because, as well, that you managed to blood the young players in. You know, you had obviously um, Jordan Zamora. Um, you know, all those sort of players. It, it, it was just, a, it was just a real. Um, sorry, not Jordan Zamora. Jordan Anthony. Jane um, Anthony, yeah. Yeah, Jane Anthony, and and you had players that were coming in and were given a chance, and now they've got experience coming into the Premier League, and you've got almost like a settled team with youngsters in it for the future. Um, obviously, Kiefer Moore was it was important bringing him back towards the end of the season. He scored some important goals. Obviously, Don was on absolute fire last season so I think um, I think they've got enough but I think yeah as always with the Premier League it's such a big step up and they, they are going to have to spend money but they have to spend it wisely and and players that are hungry and want to come in and do well and obviously supplement what's already there so I, I think Bournemouth will stay up I think they play a good brand of football um, uh, like I say I think probably need another uh, one more striker maybe um, everyone wants a world-class striker or a striker that's going to score goals in the Premier League but Maybe that, but I, I do think I do think Bournemouth will stay up. Um, I'm not sure who will go down because you just never know what everyone's going to spend and whatnot. But um, but yeah, I, I think uh, I think Bournemouth will stay up. 
So next season then, um, when it is Bournemouth v Southampton, is he going to be wearing a red, a red and white shirt or red and black? <laughs> I might wear both, you know. And yeah, whoever wins, I'll just keep that half one. Half. <laughs> You're actually one of a few players that I mean, obviously, yeah, we like we all know that Portsmouth Southampton is the main rivalry, but you're one of a handful of players that have played um for you know both clubs. And I think there are a few that have actually played for all three as well. But you play for Bournemouth and Southampton, uh, that's okay by us because you played like most of the games for us, which uh, which we're all good with. Um it's been a pleasure to have you on, Drew. It's been absolutely brilliant. And uh Jeff, he gave us some brilliant memories in the AFC Ball shirt, didn't he? Yeah, certainly did. And uh, I, I think uh, the the memories of, of that cultured left foot will live long for lots of fans. So thanks thanks for everything. Uh, thank you, guys. No, thanks for having me on. Really enjoyed it. So cheers. Lovely. Great stuff. Take care. Thank you very uh, much. Cheers. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Loved that. Loved hearing from Andrew Sermon. And really interesting to hear some of his points about the pitfalls of social media and the reasons he stayed away from it. Is is pain at not having a standalone crowd chant, but also his brutal reflections on Ryan Fraser, Jason Tyndall with that phone call. And would he have fitted nicely in a Scott Parker side? Well, we said that he would, but whether he's convinced, not so sure. But hope you enjoyed that. If for some reason you want to watch it, just go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com forward slash AFCB podcast. Right, until the next drop, hope you're having a wonderful summer and we'll see you soon. This has been Back of the Net, the AFC Bournemouth podcast. Richie, maybe on Walker. Q.